The Old Pilot's Plane Tales. The Ian Palmer Interviews, Part 2. Thanks very much indeed for coming and speaking to us again, Ian, in this uh, that is part two of what I suspect will be uh, four parts of uh, your interview. We left the last uh, story uh, at the point at which you were going to move into civil aviation. How did you achieve that? Well, I was quite obviously very focused on what I wanted to do regarding flying and I kind of knew the ultimate aim where I'd like to get to and that was that image was the image of sitting on the seat of the Boeing 747 as we went off to um, Boston so that was the ultimate aim and speaking to my friend who was the uh, the captain on that flight we were discussing flying schools which was the best option and I think around that time we decided that to go on an integrated course of training possibly would have been it was rather the the, the best course of action. So we um, spoke about it and I decided at that point that British Aerospace Flight Training in Hareth would be uh, where my future lay as far as um, flight training. So I uh, went to um, Hareth. they just started in Hareth actually. The school previously was in Presswick and I was one of the first courses there. And this was during a time where they switched to the uh, JAR requirements uh, from oh, yeah. the CAA. So Whereabouts the, is this uh, flying school? This is in Jerez in southern, southwest Spain. Oh, Spain. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, which is a beautiful climate for, for flying, yeah. of course. So I think the, pro- the, the problems they had was get, getting guys finished um, through the tr- course of training in Presswick because the weather in Scotland, because the weather was so poor. So they moved everything down to Harath in southwest Spain. And uh, that's where I started. And, you know, I was... Basically, um, under underconfident when it came to flying at that point, and didn't realise that I could actually do it because I and achieve what I wanted to achieve. I was with guys there who had been to um, Trinity College in Dublin. These guys, uh, one of the one of the guys on my course was doing a degree in aeronautical engineering, was simultaneously doing his ATPL exams. Um, was super, oh, good lord! Super, super bright guy, and this was a total. Sounds like a bit of an overachiever. A little bit that way, yeah. There were a few of the guys there were. It was very competitive, and there were seventeen people on the course when I joined, or wanted to be pilots, and five of us graduated. Um, so they either got chopped or they wow. were decided themselves. This is not what I can do. So. It was quite challenging. Um, so I with basically no education at the time, although that being said, I did sort of go back and go to school before we went there in order to prepare and get my head around what, what was to be expected of me. Um, I eventually did graduate from British Aerospace, but my timing, and being a drummer, of course, you'd expect it to be pretty good. My timing was not quite so good because September the 11th, 2001 had happened as we were doing our final set of exams so we all came out of this last exam and I remember it was a human performance and limitations exam you know one of the ones which everyone assumed at the time was one of the easier exams and we were really happy great to walk into the tv room to see the events of 9-11 unfolding and it very quickly dawned on us that oh maybe we're not going to get a job after that had happened there was a massive downturn in the aviation sector so well it was uh, let me ask you was uh, the flying school linked to an airline or were you doing this and then just throwing yourself onto the open market no my dad was really support my parents were really supportive so i was self-funded through the through the course so you're self-funded yeah. and uh wow no. and so you really needed to queue up with all the other pilots yeah. and 
hopefully get a job somewhere and now there were none to be had and you know and i think a lot of us now as you will maybe relate nick um you know we have people who contact us about how did you get into the airline world what did you do in order to get your first job and i don't think any two people have the same course actually everyone has a different slightly different path as to how it works out so my path was that i decided to become a flying instructor so i was a flying oh, at the same school no sorry no this was in um, wolverhampton at a place called um, hapney green a lovely quaint little fly a little, little airfield which was fantastic for uh, the early days of learning to basically be the captain of your own light aircraft and these were some of the happiest days i think of my 20 years of flying because you know i graduated from british aerospace in 2001 and very quickly then did the instructor's rating and i was flying a pa28 and i remember now actually having all of these people come along the public to do these what they call trial lessons so we'd take off and the great thing about um Hapley Green Airport is that if you fly to the south, if you turn left and you see some big houses, well, it stands a good chance you're probably in Birmingham's controlled airspace. <laughs> but if you turn right, uh, if you turn right, well, you can't go wrong because you're straight over Shropshire and towards Wales. So where it's the uh, open FIR, so you can really do whatever you want to do, which was great for me um, and for doing the, for doing the instructing and uh, for, for the students. So I used to remember I used to take the guys when they used to come for their induction or their trial lesson um, straight out and fly down the river seven and see if i could get them to find worcester excellent and then we'd fly overhead worcester and fly back but that was great experience but i realized very quickly that you know there's it was a great stepping stone but i wondered how i would get to the next level with it and what i did was uh, or what rather what the flying school decided to do was they wanted to get into corporate aviation which was something of course which i never really considered but i you know i thought well thank you very much we'll go along with this and i went to italy to learn to fly the piaggio 180 which is a fantastic uh, corporate aeroplane so pusher propeller it's got these Pratt and Whitney PT6 engines uh, but it's a super high performance turbo a, a single engine no it's a, it's a twin engine aircraft. so uh, one at uh, the front one at the back no so it's got a, so the, it's a mid-wing yeah so the uh, PT6 is attached to the wing and but they were it's a pusher propeller oh, so the propeller was at the back yeah. Uh, but it also had what they call a forward wing, which it wasn't a control surface. So it's, it's not a canard as uh, maybe some of the military aircraft would have had. So this was just a forward wing. Um, but it was great because for the passengers, and it would only take sort of six people in the passenger cabin, but they could stand up in this wow. uh, aeroplane, which was great because it was a, a mid-wing and a wing was at the back with the forward wing obviously at the front. So... Um, so that was great experience. So I'd go and unlike the aviation, or sorry, the airline industry, where you would have your very much a set roster in that sector, you were of corporate aviation, you would, um, and I was flying for um, a company called Fox Air. Um, so what happened basically was the flying school decided that they were going to get this aeroplane. They sent uh, four of us off to Piaggio to do the type rating. I was really serious about wanting to you know get this time rating and get through the course and the other guys maybe weren't quite so serious so they didn't um, didn't achieve very much but um, the flying school subsequently didn't end up taking an aeroplane however I was offered a job with Piaggio at the factory, which was amazing. Oh, wow. They must have recognized some talent there. Well, they were really nice people, but I really, (laughs) I worked hard. 
I worked really hard for that. Good for you. Good for you. So I remember now, and uh, you'll probably relate to this, Nick, that there was a lot of ex-Air Force, or Italian Air Force pilots within that organization. And the chief pilot, whose name was Giuliano Corrado, uh, he was an ex-104 Starfighter pilot. Oh, the uh, Widowmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, some of the other guys um, who were involved with the sort of production and the, and the testing of the aircraft were ex-Italian uh, Air Force Tornado pilots. Oh, excellent. So they were an interesting bunch. I bet. Um, yeah, so that was a really good experience. So, I mean, there you would literally go on a tour so you would take off from uh, where we were Geneva um, and Bologna were the two bases and we'd take off and we wouldn't know where we'd end up we used to go I remember we used to fly the uh, Ferrari Formula One people around so at the time it was oh wow uh, did you meet anybody interesting yeah I did I flew um, Jean Tolt uh, who was at that time the team manager excellent so um, uh, Baricello and Schumacher were the drivers when I was there so that was you met them both Yes, oh, flew them. fabulous. I know you're not really meant to dive, divulge that now, but it's a long time ago. So yeah, I'm happy to say that's what we, that's what we did. What was Shuey like? He was um, he was very 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 lovely, but very quiet, um, but very studious and a real um, a real thinker. Um, and at the time, I remember he was doing a degree, I think, in some sort of automotive engineering. Um, so he was had a big say in wow. the design of the car and um, stuff which he's way above my head. And I do remember him saying, actually, if I can uh, work on the design of the car with the with Ferrari and I can just get even a 0.0001% improvement in the performance of the car, then that makes a big difference in his world. So they're really dealing with it. Golly. I mean, anybody, you know, I'm impressed with anybody that's any good at anything, you know, and he really was top of his game. So really quite inspiring. So where, where from there? So I went, I realized then having spoken to my friend who I went on the, the jump seat on the 747 with, he said, Ian, you know, you need to get yourself into an airline. That's all you need to be doing. You know, he didn't really understand the corporate world and I must admit it's something which had never occurred to me, but it was very enjoyable and it was a great experience. But um, from there, I joined a company uh, called Now Airlines and they were based in Luton and they had a very short existence. Um, they made a couple of, um, I think I think you probably agree, schoolboy errors in that they were setting up as a low-cost airline from Luton and they decided to lease two 737s from EasyJet. <laughs> so, of course, yeah. you know... How's that going to work? Yeah, exactly. So they never, they never saw the airplanes. That whole thing just folded without even getting airborne. Um, but however, that being said... Um, we, got, we all went to a company called Globespan. They took us all en masse, which was a company based in Scotland. And I did some of the first flights oh. for that company on the, um, the Boeing 737 there, the Boeing 737-300s they had initially. Then they had some Boeing 737-800s directly from the manufacturer. And that was great, doing the base training around uh, the UK, just taking myself and uh, a training captain, took this aeroplane out for the day, going around to a few airfields. I think we went around to Presswick and down to Doncaster and back around just doing the sectors. And it was really good fun. Um, I was going to say, uh, that sounds like an absolute jolly. Well, it was. It was. It was. You know, you'd, you'd park up somewhere, go for a cup of tea and a sticky bun and uh, <laughs> jump back in your aeroplane, a bit like the days you did with the Cessna 152 and, and all of that stuff. So, so that was a great experience. And then they also had some an interesting aeroplane, actually, a Boeing 737-600, which was the new generation aircraft. 
but it was a very short aeroplane. Now, the problem with this aeroplane was that it had a toilet at the very back of the aeroplane, no toilet at the front. So, you know, they always say, drink lots of water. And I remember, so I drank lots of water like a good boy. And I remember always waiting for the passengers to get off as soon as you'd landed because you were just bursting to go to the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so a bit, of a bit of a trudge to the back. So I always remember that. But um, so that was a nice little, um, uh, nice little aeroplane, actually, a little 737. But I think the 737-300 was probably my favourite the 737s to fly it was really well balanced it was a really lovely lovely aircraft the i always thought the 737-800 was quite twitchy in roll and then the 737-600 being a shorter fuselage was quite twitchy in um, pitch always took quite a lot of trimming for each um, power change interesting isn't it um so they flew Mm. quite differently but I i guess they're all on the same type certificate oh absolutely yeah they're all the um a single type rating um, and it was just the NG differences, basically, that you would do. But, um, hey, it seems a long while ago now because, of course, I'm a, a proper Airbus convert. <laughs> so having that control column is very different to obviously having the side stick. And I remember at the time, how would I get on flying with a side stick? But, um, yeah, it's quite, as you know, it's quite second nature very very quickly, isn't it? And it's great for long haul, that's for sure. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, was that airline going for a while? Did you uh, stick with them? I, I did, but um, I had an experience, and that was that um, I was still quite fond of the alcohol. And I was in a bar one night in uh, Glasgow with my uh, contemporaries, my colleagues, and I had a phone call. And my father was on the other end of the phone, and he said um, he was very upset and said, uh, uh, Son, um, your brother has been in a car accident, and I don't think he's going to make it. And uh, I sort of realized that emotionally and personally, there was maybe some sort of issue then because I, and it's really quite sad to say this now, but I didn't feel anything. I was happy to keep drinking. I didn't have any feelings or anything, any sort of, it was really strange. Um, But what? So you didn't feel concern or worry or no not at all and I said to my friends who I was with oh that was my dad who just said my brother's been in a car accident and he said he doesn't think he's going to make it and I was like well who's going to get the next beer and it was really weird my friends were there with like their jaws on the floor and it was awful the um the person that I turned into um, around that time and then all would start to unravel and I'd start to realize eventually what actually was was going on so this kind of was a moment of realization mm. for you. How were your relationships with your work colleagues going and everything like that? Well, I was definitely um, Mr. Party Central, that's for sure. I mean, one thing I will say, and it was something which really does need to be mentioned, and that is that never at any point would I be on an aircraft uh, unable to function. Sure. But I certainly spent a lot of my time off the aircraft enjoying myself and of course, with the condition, this condition gets worse and never better. That's very interesting. Did, you, did your brother make it, first of all? Did... Yeah. Well, he was in a coma for 13 days. And what happened was he pulled up to negotiate across a dual carriageway and a car bashed into him 
from behind. He had the, the wheel turned, the steering wheel turned. So he then went into the dual carriageway, into the line of oncoming traffic, and a car then hit the side, the passenger side of his car at about 60 miles an hour and pushed the A-frame of the car, his car, into his head. So he had epilepsy and all sorts. Oh, and, good Lord. And he was, um, yeah, he was, you know, so, so lucky. And this was sort of the early 2000s. This happened, 2006, around there. Um, and yeah, pretty horrific. <laughs> so I just see him so grateful that he made it. Uh, but of course, you know, he does suffer with epilepsy now and does suffer the emotional effects afterwards. And um, at that time, that really affected my parents. And my parents then... Uh, they were both diagnosed very quickly with cancer. So around that time, I decided to leave Globespan and I applied for another job in my hometown, Birmingham. Uh, so I worked for Monarch Airlines and I did the convert type conversion in uh, to fly the Airbus A320, but mainly the A321 actually in Monarch in Birmingham, um, which was a new experience. But, you know, as I said at the start of the interview, I never... The problem is you can you can do all the geographicals. I can go to Scotland, I can go to Birmingham, but ultimately the problem will always be between my two ears. I'll always carry the problem with me or this. Yeah, it is a problem. It's a condition. Um, so I was working for Monarch and even then, you know, struggling to contain, you know, that lifestyle. Had you recognized mm. the fact that you were an alcoholic at that point? I since realised that I was an alcoholic uh, I was born alcoholic and there's a couple of indications and I truly believe this um, and it's a condition for life but it is a condition it's a little bit like diabetes that we can control it but we can't cure it That's a very good analogy and one that I considered myself You're at a real uh, turning point in your life here um, You're back drinking uh, You're holding down an airline job um, but you obviously need to change your life somehow. And I think we'll be able to talk about that at length uh, uh, next week, mm, if that's so okay. Thank you, Nick. Yeah, that's a great chat. All right, mate. Chat to you next week. Brilliant. See you then. If you enjoyed this interview, then I'd love it if you were able to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or your podcatcher of choice. Plane Tales is, of course, a featured segment of the Airline Pilot Guy show. You can find us at airlinepilotguy.com.